Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Talk and Shop. It has certainly been a while since our last episode, which was uh, just towards the end of finals week and uh, before the holiday season. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Logan Grutchfield, and today I am joined by Erica LaFloria, another writer um, at the FSBU in the sports section. Um, and it's definitely been, I'd say, a very interesting break, you know, um, mm -hmm. since we've been off classes. Um, in some ways, I kind of feel like this break for FSU, um, or in, in this kind of span of time, we've had, in some ways, a lot of big things happen and kind of, you know, punctuated bursts mm -hmm. and, and then nothing happening i mean you know when it comes to basketball neither the um most recent women's game was december 29th and then men's basketball hasn't played in um at least a week you know their most recent game was new year's eve but mm -hmm. um i know that there is definitely one big signing for football that um was definitely talked about quite a bit and um, Erica, could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, Mackenzie Milton from UCF will be joining the squad here in Tallahassee. And a lot of people are excited. A lot of people are nervous. I myself can say that I'm nervous, but excited a little bit. I just want the grasp at the glory days where we can claim a fake national title if we want to. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. And I know a lot of Seminoles fans will definitely be uh, – you know, looking back to the days where we can claim a real national title. Um, <laughs> that was at the beginning of 2014. Um, somehow, that's only seven years ago. I remember watching that game very well. And, yes. and yet to a lot of fans, I'm sure that seems like practically an eternity. So, um, and then I think, I think most importantly, this, this signing was definitely kind of the, the home run signing that Mike Norvell needed going mm -hmm. into the offseason. I think especially with just the wave of, you know, players dropping out of the season, opting out. Um, mm -hmm. You had James Blackman um, yet opting out of the season. And then he's saying that he's going to be a grad transfer. Um, I think that Jordan Travis was definitely a big step in the right direction mm -hmm. for FSU at quarterback. But I, I think there was definitely, he was definitely the best option for the offense that there was but I think there was definitely some issues in his game that, you know, wouldn't really be addressed as soon as possible. And uh, at least from what I remember watching of Mackenzie Milton, he was just extremely, extremely, extremely talented. Uh, mm -hmm. Obviously he took um, UCF in 2017 to that undefeated season where they had the, the so-called national title and <laughs> certainly put them on the map. Um, mm -hmm. an incredibly, incredibly talented passer. And I, I think most fans would agree that UCF is just not the same without him, um, you know, with the new coach and with everything that, that has changed. Um, but I think the biggest question mark when it comes to McKenzie Milton would be just his health. He hasn't mm -hmm. played since, um, since he had that just gruesome, gruesome leg injury. And I think, obviously, I remember in his interview with Andrea Adelson at ESPN, he said that um, he felt as if he could play, but that the team had rallied around the, the quarterback that had stepped up in his absence mm -hmm. and that he consciously had to step back 
in order to kind of, you know, let the team, you know, do, do what they would. But um, Erica, what do you, what do you think on that front? That's why I join the fans who are nervous about Mackenzie Milton coming to FSU and saying, yes, he's talented. Yes, he did give them a fake title. However, he hasn't played since 2018. And we are now in 2021. A lot has changed. UCF has changed. FSU has drastically changed. And I'm nervous to see if he can fit on the football field again, especially for a D1 Power 5 ACC powerhouse that FSU used to be. And I do think it was an amazing step in the right direction for Mike Norvell. However, I am nervous to see how Mackenzie Milton is going to go out there and play, given that he hasn't had a starting job in so long. And you mentioned it in what you were saying with UCF and how they moved on to a different quarterback. And we saw this season, it proved that Dylan Gabriel from UCF isn't, you know, Mackenzie Milton. He wasn't as good as him. And the thing is, but he still lost the starting job to him. And that's why I'm a little bit nervous to have him here at Florida State, not to mention the quarterback battle that we're about to go into. And it feels like for the past four years, FSU has had nothing but quarterback battles when it comes to all the way back to DeAndre Francois. Then we had James Blackman. Then we have Jordan Travis. Now we have Chubba Purdy, who's looking to come up. And then we're going to add Mackenzie Milton into the bunch. And that, to me, differentiates FSU from programs like Bama and Clemson, where they have one guy. Bama had Mac Jones, and they utilized him, and he killed it this year. Clemson had Trevor Lawrence, and he killed it also this year because he was able to develop. He was able to learn, and the offense got to play with him and utilize both of their skills on the field. With FSU, we're going to go back to having another quarterback frenzy where Jordan Travis is going to try to get the starting job and Milton's going to try to get the starting job. And the offense is going to have to work with different quarterbacks who play different styles of the ball, especially with Jordan Travis, who loves to run and is really good on his feet. With McKenzie Milton, you're going to see more balls thrown in the air. And that, to me, is going to be a little puzzling for the offense to get it together so that we can get back into the national light. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even when there have been uh, quarterback battles like um, in 20, 2017, when you remember there was um, Jalen Hurts and then Tua Tagovailoa mm-hmm. in the championship game against Georgia or with Clemson when Trevor Lawrence supplanted uh, Kelly Bryant in mm-hmm. the middle of 2018. I mean, but st- still, those are fantastic. Those are two quarterbacks of just a caliber that is not at Florida State. Yeah, And, you know, I think that um, hopefully Mackenzie Milton will bring a at least a temporary uh, cessation to kind of the um, to the to the quarterback drama. And you're absolutely right. This year it was just it was a revolving door. You know, <laughs> yes. it was like you remember the one game that uh, Tate Rodemaker started against um, mm-hmm. against Miami. Yeah, I yes. just think about that. And I'm like, what was the purpose of that? Yeah, really. Um, Or even when they brought in James Blackman randomly for one snap or two snap or bring in Chubba Purdy at the end of a game where FSU is clearly winning. They bring in Chubba Purdy. He throws an interception. It's just like, like you said, it's a revolving door of four quarterbacks going throughout the season. And then we're going to add another one to it who hasn't played since 2018. That's Mm -hmm. why I'm nervous. I I certainly think, and I, I remember from that interview, um, 
and maybe he was just being humble, but Mackenzie Milton said, um, I'm not showing up and assuming the starting job is mine. Mm -hmm. And I think that, well, first of all, I do think that one, one thing he does bring for all of the youth on this team. And I, or especially Mm -hmm. with just, uh, I want to, I cannot remember the exact percentage, but I I remember it was like 75% or somewhere, some number around there in that neighborhood of players on Mike Norvell's roster Mm-hmm. who were freshmen or sophomores, you know, yeah. and that's great. That's really, I, I think, fantastic for just kind of building a culture, which I, I think we had kind of seen that aspect of the team get ugly in previous years. Um, but I think Mackenzie Milton will at the very least be just a kind of a steady veteran presence mm-hmm. that, you know, if things get tough, you know, that a team might be able to look to. But yeah. I also do think that, Jordan Travis, despite some of the shortcomings that might exist, I think as a passer for him, I think that he, as a runner, is probably one of the best quarterbacks, at least as on the ground mm-hmm. in Florida State history. And I think that alone mm-hmm. will keep him in games. Like you, rem- if you remember when he played in 2019, it always seemed to be on design you know, gadget quarterback run plays that were, were pretty weird, you know, that they'd either go for like 35 yards up the middle or mm-hmm. no one would be full. Um, but I do think that just his talent, he'll find a role in the offense, but I, I can't say the same thing for Chubba Purdy or, or Tate Rodmacher at, at this point at all. Yeah, I agree. And I would not be surprised if one of them, um, decides to transfer, figure something out. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can see one of them sticking around, but I, I, I don't see why, you know, at least from a player perspective, you would want to stick around a, um, at a school that, I mean, seems to be taking steps in the right direction, but is, you know, still things are kind of in flux mm-hmm. and you would be either third or fourth string, you know, mm-hmm. now maybe we'll, hit 2021 and still be in the throes of a pandemic, even though I'm sure everyone in the world hopes that is not the case. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause this year, I mean, Florida state went through four quarterbacks without any issue. I mean, almost could have gone through more. Um, but I, I don't, I, I have a hard time seeing where they fit in just because I, I think as a passer, Milton is a clear best option. And mm-hmm. as a rusher, uh, Travis is the best option and then you have those two guys competing for playing time and then it's like you know Chuba and Tate are boxed out uh, yeah. really I think of the uh, just kind of boxed out of the game plan in some ways now the one question I do have with Milton and I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this um, because I think this is definitely if you had asked me this if you had told me Mackenzie Milton was transferring here at the beginning of the season and then ask me this question, I would have probably had a much different answer than mm-hmm. I would now. How do you think he'll he'll be able to hold up okay behind an offensive line that's still got some questions around it? Me personally, I think that he will play well with our offense, and I think they're going to do their best to protect him in the instance that they know what he's gone through. But also, he's had so much time to rest. It'd be different if he was – 
I just remember the days of DeAndre Francois here at FSU. And when he got injured in that huge game against Alabama, he was out for, I believe, a year. And then he came back. The difference with Milton, though, is that he's had at least around two years to rest up, to heal. He also had to sit out this whole season with UCF. And I think that maybe with Mike Norvell knowing and noticing that this is a huge deal for Florida State, he's going to definitely work with the offensive line to make sure that he's protected at all costs. And honestly, that he can be the leader that Jordan Travis should be you know, learning under. So that maybe one day after Milton comes through, it, Given that he might win the quarterback battle, um, Jordan Travis could take over after learning from a veteran like Milton. I agree. And I think the, the, the point I'm trying to make is I think the offensive line, I mean, just I remember, last two years, James Blackman, you know, for all the, the criticism that he might get, he took a beating yeah. behind that offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, and Francois certainly did after he came back in 2018 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and poor Alex Hornibrook, even last year, you know, we, we forget about him. That was just a year yep. ago and things weren't much better for him. Um, I, I think this was an offensive line that was just very porous for two years. And then I, I kind of expected that to continue this year. I, I, I think maybe we just kind of gotten numb mm-hmm. to some things, but that I think the offensive line probably took in my mind, at least a huge step forward. Yeah. Um, I think in the North Carolina game, just the, you know, protection that they were able to afford uh, Jordan Travis mm-hmm. was phenomenal. And they really didn't, I was worried that that would be kind of a one-off flash in the pan thing. And it, it really wasn't, I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't, you know, they weren't a brick wall up there by any means, but I think it was definitely, um, I really do think that they can, you know, be relied upon as a unit a lot more than they could have been. I think um, Robert Scott and Darius Washington, the two freshmen, Mm -hmm. um, I think they're both right tackles who made their debuts this year. I think they especially, um, and Darius Washington especially, I think are going to be really, really key players up front this year um, or in 2021 and moving forward. And I really am just, uh, I, I think that there's a lot to be optimistic about in that group. Mm-hmm. And I think especially now with Milton, with Milton coming in now, I think it's kind of perfect timing because that it will hopefully be, you know, knock on wood, uh, assuming that there's no catastrophic injuries or, or, or severe regressions, a group that can really only continue to improve. Mm-hmm. So um Going off of what you said about the North Carolina game, I wanted to make a point there. Um, I was there covering it for the FSU, and I just remember the atmosphere. And to me, that was, despite going, you know, three and six the rest of the year, to me, that game was a staple of what can be at Florida State. And I haven't seen the team play like that in so long. And especially with this round of recruits coming in and the amount of transfers we have coming into Florida State, I could see a lot more games like what we saw with the North Carolina game happening next year. If we just continue to grow and they just got to protect the quarterback. That's the biggest thing I noticed last year with James Blackman and Jordan Travis it's the quarterback that needs to be protected if you want to get those points on the scoreboard. Oh, one, 100%. Mm-hmm. 
And I do think that, you know, especially I think the emergence of that offensive line allowed Jordan Travis to kind of let loose in some mm-hmm. ways and really, you know, break up the middle for the runs and the, the, just kind of the mobility that really is his calling card, mm-hmm. I think, and will keep him a big factor, you know, maybe not an overwhelming factor, but still a, a meaningful one um, in this offense. So I, I do think that that's a group that uh, tentatively I, I would be satisfied in their ability to protect somebody like Mackenzie Milton, who's, you know, still had that just horrific um, knee dislocation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know that every time we see him go down next year, it'll be kind of a collective mm-hmm. um, held breath for yes. FSU fans. <laughs> but um, the other, the other, position group that I do have some questions about is who's he going to throw to what, 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 you know, um, we, there's no more Tamari and Terry. Um, he's declared for the draft. I think, um, Ontario Wilson and, uh, Keyshawn Helton will both be seniors. Now we did see Cam McDonald step up as a, you know, kind of a, a good security blanket tight end. And I was really pleased with his play. Um, do you think that, well, I know first the recent transfer from KU from Kansas, uh, Andrew Parchment. Um, I know he's definitely got a lot. Um, he's definitely given FSU fans a lot to be optimistic about next yeah. year. But um, I mean, what what do you think? Do you think uh, Coach Mike Norvell? Do you think you might even get creative with some of the running backs? What 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 do you have to say? One thing I have to say is I was very impressed with the running game at the end of the season. I got to see the switch ups of different players stepping up to the plate. And like you were talking about earlier with around 70% or so of the team being either freshmen or sophomores. I think that as they rise up to be sophomores and juniors, we're going to see those guys also step up. And um, one person I really wanted to talk about was Andrew Parchment. I'm so excited for him to come to Florida State and to take his talents from Kansas to Tallahassee because I know we can utilize him, especially now that he's coming to the ACC and he's going to spend some time learning under a big program and under a coach like Mike Norvell. And to see him play alongside either, you know, Jordan Travis or Mackenzie Milton, whoever wins the quarterback battle, is definitely something I want to see um, considering. Mike Norvell is really stepping it up in the recruiting game. And I'm excited to see these freshmen, these four-star freshmen come in along with some impressive transfers that we have also joining the squad to basically replace what kind of left us last year. There were a lot of players that left us or opted out or declared for the draft. And I'm just excited to see how the younger guys, the younger generation on the football team will step up to the plate and we'll, play along with this veteran in Mackenzie Milton and the now going to be upperclassmen in Jordan Travis. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot to be excited about. I think we can say Andrew Parchment, mm-hmm. you're not in Kansas anymore. You know, <laughs> you can kind of run wild here. Yeah. I'm sorry that that did, you know, come to me. So I had to ruin everyone's podcast experience with that. But I could even see somebody like, um, you know, LaDamian Webb, mm-hmm. who I think, you know, or, or even Lawrence Toafili, but I think Lawrence Toafili's strengths are kind of more just in his explosiveness as a runner. But I could even see somebody like Damian Webb or even Deshaun Corbin. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I think Deshaun Corbin definitely has kind of the best 
makes the best case to be a clear number one running back. Mm -hmm. I could even see somebody like Mike Norvell, who I think his clear um, proficiency is in, you know, comes in just his offensive mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that he could get creative with receivers, you know, even making these running backs receivers. Um, I mean, even at the, I want to say it was in the Duke game. I know he said that there was just, you know, quite, uh, you know, quite a bit of injuries going up and down the uh, roster Mm -hmm. and that some of those running backs were lining up at wide receiver. Now I'm sure that was not by design, but, or not, not, you know, not just because he wanted to do that. It was kind of a a forced choice, Mm -hmm. but I I could see him getting creative. But again, I think that, you know, landing somebody like Andrew Parchment, that's very big. Um, I would hope that in the transfer, in the signing period, that FSU could still possibly walk away with a few, um, with a few players that they could really then, you know, amp up their offense with. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm just... I'm ready for this recruiting class to get in here and give us something other than three and six. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is my, unfortunately, my last year here. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I'm the problem. You know, maybe, <laughs> I, maybe just my, my, the class of 2021, we, when we got here, that was, you know, Jimbo's <laughs> last season, you yeah. know, just a complete dud. And then we end with three and six. We've seen three head coaches in that time. <laughs> um, you know, it's really been quite a ride. So maybe, you know, maybe they're just, you know, waiting to just flush us all <laughs> off campus and then um, and then kind of just get the ball, you know, get the ball rolling for real. Yeah. <laughs> but I think now one one other sport as we kind of uh, p- uh, transition here. Well, first, actually, Erica, any other any other points that you want to make about the McKenzie Milton signing before that we um, before we kind of, you know, switch sports here? No, I think I'm good. I guess that's what I, I needed to say. I think, yeah, we, we've talked about all, all we can dream up here. <laughs> um, but now I do want to go to um, another sport that in my time here has really, you know, taken a leap, I think, in prominence in Tallahassee. You know, I, I remember showing up here and this was definitely a football first school, but then you go to a basketball game just to go to a basketball game. Yep. Now... <laughs> That's definitely not the case. Um, and I do want to start, I do want to start with the ladies because I think that they've definitely had the most to write home about mm-hmm. um, in kind of the, you know, little two week period that we've had in between classes. Um, you know, they had a win over Virginia tech, um, a win over Pitt, And I know that was notable mm-hmm. for, um, you know, for many fans because it was a reunion of, uh, Lance White, who was a longtime assistant uh, in Tallahassee, um, then took over the Pitt Panthers uh, with Brooke Wyckoff, who, mm-hmm. had, who has been an assistant for Coach Sue for a long time and is now obviously the um, uh, interim head coach mm-hmm. this season. And then a, a really, really just tough, tough loss against Clemson. Um, so, Erica, anything that really ha- has stood out to you in that three-game stretch? I know things are – we were hoping to have a little bit more to talk about, but then COVID <laughs> obviously has really kind of messed things up here. Yeah, I'm just very, very impressed with how the season's gone, given that Coach Sue is not going to be, you know, the head person and controlling what's going on with this team. But to see that they're four and one, despite everything going on, and their only loss coming to a very tough Clemson team away, 
I seriously am very proud of this women's basketball team. And we've all known it, especially here at FSU. We're a basketball school. We all claim it for the past couple of years. Honestly, probably the tip off when Jimbo left, we then became a basketball school to focus on something other than. And at this point, the women's basketball team are taking just as much of a lead as the men's team is. But also, with that being said, there's so much going on with COVID and the last three games have either two been postponed and one been canceled. And it's just hard to look at the season and saying, I, we all saw the potential last year. We've seen the potential of the years before, but with COVID happening and so many of the games being postponed with honestly no clear end in sight, I am nervous to see where this goes for the rest of this season um me and logan talked about this a little bit before the podcast but i read on twitter that the duke women's basketball team decided to opt out for the rest of the season due to covid concerns which is a huge deal for fsu for duke for the acc and so many people are realizing that it's affecting these players and it's affecting especially with what happened when the florida state versus florida game happened here in tallahassee and we saw that dramatic scene happen everything going on with covid the main thing is that the players need to stay safe and having three games either postponed or canceled and then expect the team to come back is going to be very difficult on all aspects of the court for FSU to make sure our players are okay, the other players are okay, and that they can continue on for the rest of this season. Absolutely. I really think that well, you make a great point, and I, I'm really just troubled to hear that news about the Duke women's team mm-hmm. that I think just a, a, on a short-term basis, this is really about to become a point of reckoning. Mm -hmm. I think, or it has the potential to be one um, for uh, FSU, both basketball programs. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, um, the women's team hasn't had a game in nine days. They recently had, how, how long was that Louisville game postponed to like late February? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. It is. Yeah, I believe late February, February 23rd is when it's going to come back. They're going to play Louisville away, which is also a nail-biter situation. They're going to have to travel to Kentucky for that one. Yeah, and then uh, obviously men's has not played in a week now, Mm -hmm. and we just found out that the pit game has been postponed. That was supposed to be played two days from now on uh, on Saturday. So, I mean, I think really, uh, really a real spate of bad news, and then we forget about the cancellation of the game against Wake Forest. Um, at the end of the season. Um, and I, I will say I do appreciate the way that um, Wake Forest head coach handled that situation mm-hmm. um, instead of just, you know, being incendiary for no reason like Dabo Swinney was. Um, <laughs> but then I, I do think when it comes to women's basketball, I think that they've definitely had the better stretch of the two basketball teams here at FSU. Um, I think that um, – well, obviously, they, they went two and one mm-hmm. in that stretch. Um, the men's basketball team went one and two. So just on a on a record, you know, basis, mm-hmm. they were better. But I think just in terms of the play that we saw, they killed it. Yeah. I mean, that game against Clemson, I think, well, it came down to the last 35 seconds of the game after that late foul. 
um, that allowed Clemson to shoot. And then um, Sammy Puisis put that three-pointer wide just a little bit. Um, but then just a really solid victory. Obviously, they smoked Pitt. I don't think that was in, <laughs> was a question for anybody. But, you know, that was kind of a game that's like, ah, you know, we got a fun storyline here. But, you know, it's just, you know. Um, Lance White, thanks for coming back. Now we'll let's beat you by 25 <laughs> points. So, um, and then a solid game, a really, really solid game, I thought, against Virginia Tech, even mm-hmm. though there was kind of that late push by the Hokies. Um, one anecdote that I do remember, and I, I'm really glad to see Sammy Plesis and River Baldwin, kind of uh, that sophomore class, yeah. made their debut last year. I remember last year I was covering a women's basketball game and I was thinking, okay, you know, River Baldwin, uh, she might be good to write about. She's, um, you know, making her debut. She's been playing okay this year. You know, let's see how she does. And in that game, I cannot remember who it was against. I, I remember just feeling completely frustrated because I was hoping to write kind of a feature piece a little bit about her. And I think it was just a really rough night for her. You know, like I think she turned the ball over like five or six times. Um, got in foul trouble really quick. And I was like, well, you, you know, it'd be a really inopportune time to do that. But I think, I mean, just in terms of her defensive ability, um, in terms of the, you know, clutch rebounds that she's been making, in terms of just now even the, you know, points that she's been putting up, she put up double digits, I believe, against um, Virginia Tech. And then Sammy Puisis now emerging as a new scoring uh, threat for FSU. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think that that group has made some pretty big steps here. Yeah. And I'm going to have to flip it over to the junior class. One thing that's very unique about the women's basketball team is that they have one red shirt senior and the rest of the squad is sophomores or juniors. And that's crazy to me that they're a four in one team with no one really that's going to graduate this year and we got to see their dominance last year and I love getting to see Morgan Jones play and Courtney Weber play together because they've been playing together for the past three years and it seems like they've only grown stronger and stronger Um, I'm looking at the stat sheet for the Virginia Tech game and in that Morgan Jones got 15 points and Courtney Weber, she also carried 14 points. And to see those two juniors leading it for the team and working together so hard is definitely what makes this a dynamic way of producing a season that they're really proud of. Even without Coach Sue, these girls are making it work. They're playing the hardest that they can. Despite everything going on with COVID and all the game cancellations, week after week, they're ready. And to see the junior class and the sophomore class rising up and carrying a team in a national spotlight is incredible to me, especially with the ACC and how tough that is. Oh, absolutely. And I was just thinking, you know, you mentioned the kind of the quirky stuff going on just with the, you know, classes that all these players are. And I, I always feel like there's some something atypical going on. I remember a couple of years ago, it was like the entire graduating class or the entire starting mm-hmm. five graduated yes. and then it was like well what are we gonna do <laughs> and then you know this is finally the one year where we don't have you know like a bazillion people graduating at yeah. the same time but I really do and you, you talk about Morgan Jones I am so glad to see her really just it really seems like she's fully taking command yeah. this year and just kind of you know this is who we knew she was going to be, I remember a couple of years ago, it seemed like she was a little bit slow out of the starting gate to kind of show that potential. Just, mm-hmm. I, I think her offensive potential is apparent, 
but it wasn't fully realized. And then now this year, I think just the way that she moves up and down the court, mm-hmm. um, obviously she's been putting up, I mean, double digits in most of her games, which is, you know, fantastic. But then also just, I, I mean, her just development as a player, I think has been something really great to watch. Yeah, she's been very interesting to watch throughout her whole college career at FSU and to see her grow from, like you said, the shy, laid back freshman to now a junior who was basically leading the team. And she kind of took the torch from Kaya Gillespie and Nikki Akumu and was ready to step up to the plate. And she's doing exactly that this season. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that was kind of a uh, them. And then Naj Wolfuck, mm-hmm. that was, they were definitely the, um, you know, I think the, the kind of the dream three mm-hmm. for FSU. And this year I was like, okay, you know, who's going to be really, you know, <laughs> filling those shoes, but her and Courtney Weber, especially, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I think both of them have really up their game considerably, you know, even this year where there were some pretty big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very glad to see them playing um, as well as they have been. I do want to talk for kind of our, our I guess, our final segment mm-hmm. of tonight's podcast. I do want to talk about the men's team yeah. a little bit. And obviously, I think the loss to UCF <laughs> was not on anyone's radar no. to say the very least. Gosh, even that UF game where um, uh, Keontae Johnson collapsed on the court, mm-hmm. that seems like almost a million years ago, yeah. I think about it. Um, and that was less than a month ago, on, on December 12th, I believe. Um, and so, obviously, I think everyone's thoughts are with him as he recovers. Obviously, there's a really scary scene mm-hmm. uh, at the tuck on that, that Saturday, December 12th. But... Um, Obviously, I, then going forward, I think the loss to UCF really stunned a lot of FSU watchers. And even that bounce back game against Gardner-Webb, that was really, mm-hmm. Florida State was only leading by one possession at the half. Yeah. Um, and that was really, they did pull away later on. But I think that was definitely, you know, not what some people were expecting. And then obviously a, a pretty tough loss to Clemson. Um, right after that, Erica, any um, any initial thoughts from you on on what's been going on there? Because I think for some people, the expectations for this FSU team were just kind of you know in space, yeah. and this might have crashed them down a little bit. Yeah, looking at the FSU versus Florida game, we got to see FSU come back after such a dramatic event and play very well. And it seems like ever since that game. The two losses came after that, one to UCF and one to Clemson, like you said, and we've kind of see, seen the team just fold a little bit, but I'm not too nervous about it, especially if you look at how last season went. When Last season, we all kind of agree that FSU had a lot of unfinished business. FSU was not going anywhere in the tournament. They were there to stay, but that got ripped away due to COVID and with everything going on and all these games being postponed and canceled and seeing the two losses coming to the basketball team, a lot of people are looking at FSU and looking at Leonard Hamilton. I've even seen people on Twitter, which is completely ridiculous, calling for Leonard Hamilton to get fired, which I know will never happen, but it's like, it's been two games. Yes, we lost a flute game to UCF that everybody knows we should have won. However, the ball is still in FSU's court. There's still a pretty long season to go. And the season's not done. 
that's the main part but it's seeing a lot of guys work together that haven't before especially with last year where everybody thought that that was our year even Dick Vitale said it was our year we all agree on that but to have that taken away from us and then lose three players in the NBA draft and then basically just put everybody back together in the middle of a pandemic and expect us to be undefeated that's a little ridiculous. I'm so proud of this team. I'm so optimistic for this team. Yes, I'm nervous. However, given the circumstances of what's going on and knowing that, yeah, we lost to Clemson, but the week after we had to postpone the game to Duke because of a positive test. And no one knows really what happened. No one knows who got it, when they got it. And that's that's the problem with so much going on with contact tracing and COVID is that I don't think we should lose sight of FSU and lose hope. There's still a little bit more of this season left, but yeah, I'm a little bit nervous considering they just postponed the game with Pitt again. Yeah, no, I, I think you make a, you know, definitely a couple of good points there. And where I worry is I think that this game against Pitt would have certainly been just kind of a great bounce back game. Yeah. I mean, this team has had nearly um, 10 days to think about it. And I actually must have had it reversed. Their last game was the 29th and women's last game was on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. So they've had nine games now to kind of, you know, sit in the tank and stew about this. And then now they're missing that, um, that just perfect bounce back opportunity that they would have had on Saturday. Now the upside of that is they do get to stay in Tallahassee mm-hmm and then play NC State at home next Wednesday. But, I mean, if I had to make an early diagnosis as to where I think the improvements could certainly be made, I think the first order of business would be the defense. Yeah. I mean, they gave up 52 points to the combo of uh, UCS guards, Brandon Mahan and Darren Green. And I think that was the theme of those three games is just letting these guards – sneak by the defense, get in the paint, and then do what they do best there. Um, That was obviously not working well um, for FSU. And then I did see Leonard Hamilton made some comments about the teams just shooting from the perimeter. And he said he thought that he had a very good um, perimeter shooting team. And obviously those results have not been fully realized Mm -hmm. um, in, in the last stretch of games. Now, Again, I'm talking as if FSU is in a big funk here or something like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, the UCF game, I think definitely, you know, kind of caught the team with their pants down, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But um, I, the Clemson game, that was, you know, certainly I think a little tighter than the score might have suggested. FSU had yeah. as much as a nine-point lead. They were still leading by five points at the half. And I think that's definitely when I was talking with Thomas on – I want to say our last podcast of the semester, Mm -hmm. um, he said that, you know, in in situations like when they're playing um, Indiana, that, you know, when this team falls behind, it's almost like you're kind of, you you almost kind of feel Mm self-assured that, you know, they're going to come back. And so I was thinking in that spot, I mean, that's almost kind of a, you know, an atypical one. And I don't know that they, you know, got ahead of themselves. I don't know what happened. But it's definitely, you know, um, definitely not what I was expecting to see. I was thinking it would have been a real dogfight in the last, you know, you know, 10 minutes of the game. Mm -hmm. And then FSU would have kind of, you know, 
gotten down to business there. At least, again, maybe I was just hoping for that. Yeah, I got to so, agree on that one, especially if you want to look at huge playmakers like Scotty Barnes. We all knew he had a lot of potential, and he's completely blown it out of the water this year here at FSU. And I remember in the Indiana game, as you were saying before, and as Thomas said a couple weeks ago, FSU is definitely a comeback team. You're going to look to FSU to come back. And in instances that they don't, like you said, in the Clemson game and with the UCF game, we do kind of panic because we're like, that's not the team we're used to, especially with last year and how good they treated us last year in that almost every game FSU was down. We kind of bet it on them coming back. But also seeing that there are some players that we have this year that we didn't have last year. And the same thing in saying that we don't have Trent Forrest anymore. You know, we don't have Patrick Williams anymore, but we do have Scotty Barnes. We have Raekwon Gray. We have guys who are going to step up to the plate and lead us. It's just a matter of getting them comfortable in this season. And that's the biggest thing for me is like, especially with Scotty Barnes, he has so much potential and he's only a freshman, but we also have to remember he's only a freshman. And as the season goes on, he might be the huge playmaker scoring triple doubles and leading the team to victory. Like we saw in the Indiana game and we've just got to give those guys more time. And yeah, I'm just, I'm nervous, but I'm still ready for this basketball season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I I think what you mentioned with fans calling for uh, Coach Ham's fire, <laughs> I, I think we always kind of just see, you know, nonsense yeah. like that happen early in the season, you know, when FSU, I'm trying to remember, they. I feel like they had, oh, last year in the USF game against the Bulls, mm-hmm. that was a game that was pretty close. And I remember then there's people that are really just blowing their top on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so we always see nonsense like this. Now, I don't I don't know that they necessarily followed it up with a, a conference loss yeah. like they might have this year. But, you know, it always seems like we, we kind of have some similar situation mm-hmm. uh, like, like this every single year. So I'm not, you know, I don't think that anybody needs to, you know, panic and freak out just yet. Yeah. Um, but I do think that maybe this, this run was good at just kind of tempering some expectations. Yeah. You know, I, I think that when FSU came into the, the season ranked at, at number 14 or whatever, um, I remember seeing a lot of people that, you know, they're like, oh, why are they not top five? Why are they not this? Why yeah. are they not that? And I think maybe, that maybe you know, this kind of, you know, if this is kind of get everyone to return to earth <laughs> for a minute, that would probably be, you know, one of the best things. Yeah. But um, if I'm to pick an early bright spot, I think for me on this team, obviously Scotty Barnes play. I mean, he looks like he's a, a, a senior. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it was just a, a veteran already. I mean, he's 18, 19 years old, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, I mean, this kid is just unbelievable. But I was going to say MJ Walker. Okay. Um, I think he was, you know, sometimes in this offense, I would kind of be like, where is he fitting in? in the last year and he's now he's the leading scorer um Mm -hmm. on average in the you know first few games of this season had a monster game against um UCF obviously despite the result still finished with uh, I believe it was 20 22 points yes and so I think he's really just kind of carved out a more a very reliable role um in this offense Mm -hmm. that you know maybe may have been a little less clear Mm -hmm um at the you know going into the season and so I, I I am very happy to see him do as well as he has now Erica any any 
other thoughts from you there? Um, I do want to note, especially with the now three-game hiatus and potentially seeing what's going to go on next week, I want to see how these guys regroup after not playing for so long, considering they haven't played since December. And here it is. It might be until the middle of January when they get back out on the court. I want to see how these guys regroup, especially Anthony Polite, who was bettering his game each honestly each game that he was out there and getting better and better but then that abruptly stopped and I just want to see how these guys are going to take action back in these from December to January and honestly I do want to make this point looking at everything going on and as I mentioned earlier in the women's basketball with the Duke women's basketball team announcing that they're done for the season I'm going to have to say for the first time in my life, I have to agree with Coach K in saying that playing basketball right now is a total nightmare. And to see that Duke game, how it played out, where they were flying all the way to Florida, and then FSU had to say, no, we have a positive player. It's so much going on this season that no one can control. And no one can even bet on when FSU is going to be back on the court. And honestly, COVID is a really scary thing for a lot of people, especially with what we saw here in Tallahassee against Florida. And I'm just, I want to see how these guys handle this situation, especially with basketball being such a direct contact sport. I'm nervous for the season. And like I said, I have to agree with Coach K and saying there are a lot of dangerous things that can happen this season. And I'm just hoping that FSU will figure it out. And honestly, if we could just fast forward to Indiana, where we're all playing in the same place and go straight to the March Madness, I'm down for that. <laughs> I mean, if we can fast forward there and FSU's there, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I certainly think they will be. Yeah. But I, I do want to add, you know, and again, I don't mean to make light of anything. Obviously, Coach K is um, doing the best that he can fighting mm-hmm. COVID. Uh, he did make those comments after a walk yes. to Indiana. I, or sorry, I, to, Illinois, to Illinois, excuse me. Yes. So I, I was just like, hmm, you know, let me think about this one here. I understand when that, he said but that. he's also quarantined now because a family member, I believe, tested positive. And it's like, yeah, Duke isn't on its A game, but he did make some valid points in saying that these guys are going to be breathing direct air. There's no gloves. There's no helmets to protect them. It's just straight up basketball. And look at what's happening now with three in a row postponed games. And this season is definitely going to be crazy. And Logan, you can you can vouch for this. It felt like when we were writing for the FSU, every single week, somebody had their game canceled and they didn't have to do an article because there was a postponement or there was a cancellation. And it's just so uncertain. It was always some. Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, I, I think you, you caught me there. That was probably a rash comment by me about Coach <laughs> K. But, um, yeah, I, I think that all things considered, obviously, just making it through the season, if that's possible, um, is, is the biggest goal. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, obviously, everyone wants to see FNC succeed. But more than that, we want to see people make it through the season yeah. without being severely impacted yeah. by COVID. And so, but, you know, I, I think that, we kind of definitely hit on the main things here for basketball. You know, it's like, we've kind of, you know, seen some up and downs in the last, last few weeks. But um, I mean, I think if you're an FSU fan, there's definitely still a lot to hang your hat on and and be happy about um, coming into what I suppose the next game would be against North Carolina state Mm -hmm. on um, 
Wednesday night on the 13th. So I think, you know, that'll definitely be a game to watch. It'll be at the tuck. So hopefully, you know, that'll be fun for uh, the FSU faithful to get out to. Yeah, and a bit of a homestead, too, because following that is a North Carolina game. And everybody wants to see what FSU can do against a North Carolina team who has bullied us for so long. (laughs) Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully Wednesday will be a good, you know, way to work out the kinks that just come from not playing Mm -hmm. for so long. I mean, for nearly two weeks, I suppose, exactly two weeks, Mm -hmm. that would be um or 14 15 days you know this is why i'm a writer not a mathematician (laughs) so um you know so i i think we've got a lot to get excited about um erica any final thoughts from you no i'm just ready for the season ready for football season this podcast definitely made me excited for the future of fsu athletics and looking ahead to this crazy spring logan you're gonna have a lot to cover this spring I think we all will. And then we've got <laughs> baseball and softball coming up too. Yes. So I, I am excited to have, have that get going um, and just to see how they do as well. They're always exciting to watch mm-hmm. um, covered quite a bit of both sports and um, just excited to see what they're, they will be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that is another episode of talk and chop Erica again. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Thanks to you. And um, you can always, find our writing in either the print copies of the FSBU, which are on campus in the white boxes, or you can find it online uh, 24-7. So again, this has been another episode of Talk and Chop, and thanks so much for listening.